Good morning and welcome to That's Life, usually hosted by the wonderful Miriam Wallach, but she is not in today. Your host now is Yoni Pollock. I am the current network coordinator here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Been working here for a few weeks, maybe a month or so, and uh, already getting my, my own show kind of, so uh, it's pretty sweet moving up the chain over here. Anyway, if you're already disappointed that Miriam's not on the mic, I hear you. I get it. I apologize. I'm no Miriam. I'm not going to try to replace Miriam because she is excellent at everything she does, and there's no chance I could do that. But uh, don't reach for that dial. Don't switch the station. We have a great show planned for you today. We're going to try to keep things a little similar to Miriam's show here, and at least in the early going. Uh, so let's give a quick Boker Tov to Avrumi, our main man behind the board here and all that techie stuff. Boker Tov Yoni, and welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, something Miriam loves to do, and I think it's it's uh, it's a really a great uh, thing here that uh, she goes through all the, all the national holidays um, of the day and, and the coming day, uh, days that maybe you wouldn't know existed until you listen to the show. So uh, apparently today is National Donut Day. So I don't know if you went to Dunkin' Donuts or your local donut shop. Maybe that donut tasted a bit sweeter today than usual. That's because today's National Donut Day. So uh, hopefully you went to grab one of those. And if you didn't, there's still lunch. So make sure you grab one. It's also National Love Your Red Hair Day. Now, some people tell me I'm a redhead. Um, I don't believe I am. Avrami, am I a redhead? Uh, maybe the lightest redhead ever. Okay. Kind of bordering on blonde. Bordering on blonde. And I'll take that in nothing, nothing against redheads, but uh, today is your day, so go out and celebrate. It's also also National Men Make Dinner Day. Uh, Avrami, were you planning on making dinner? Um, I make dinner pretty regularly, so but since I'm going to be traveling back from New York to Baltimore on Thursdays, I don't make dinner, but many other days of the week I do. Yeah, I'd, I'd say I do too. Um, women, for all you women out there, I apologize that, that it's not on Friday night because it'd probably make your Shabbos preparations a bit easier. Uh, maybe next year, though, so uh, we'll see what I can do maybe to push that off on a Friday. Tomorrow is nat- National Nachos Day. It's also National Saxophone Day. So you saxophone playing, nacho eating people out there, uh, tomorrow's your day. And go ahead and enjoy it. Um, it's time to plug our social media channels. Uh, Jamie, who amongst the many things she does here for the network, is also also our social media guru. And I'm sure she'd love what I'm doing. So uh, you can reach us on Facebook at the Nachum Siegel Network. Like us, share our page right on our wall. Whatever you do on Facebook... You do you there, you know, but uh, definitely uh, help our show out on Twitter. Hit us up at Nachum Siegelnet. And on Twitter, when I say at, I mean the actual at symbol. So at Nachum Siegelnet. On Instagram, we can be reached at the Nachum Siegel Network, at Nachum Siegel Network. Um, I'm not as familiar on Instagram as other people are. So uh, I think they have that heart thing. You like things. Uh, you Maybe you also do some commenting. But uh, all you Instagram people, you know what to do. Again, Nachum Siegel Network. For me, myself, on Twitter, you can reach me at Yoni Pollock. That's Y-O-N-I-P-O-L-L-A-K. That's right. I spell it right. I spell it with no C. Other Pollocks you may know spell it with a C. They're wrong. I'm right. Take my word for it. And uh, again, that's at Yoni Pollock. I'd like to wish a good morning to all of y'all tuning in from across America. If you're on the West Coast, I think you're probably maybe at Minion. So, I, I mean, I guess I hope you're not listening there. But if you are eating breakfast... Uh, and tuning in, we really appreciate it. All you locally around New York area in the Northeast or just on the Eastern Coast, um, maybe you're thinking about lunch, what you're getting today. Um, Thursday, maybe is sometimes a dairy day, but I'm always a fan of meat, so so think meat for lunch. Um, and if you're tuning in from Israel or all around internationally, 
Um, it's probably dinner time already, so uh, go eat dinner and thank you for tuning in. Now, you did hear me correctly. I did say y'all, and there's a reason for that. I'm Texan. I'm a native Houstonian, born and raised in Houston, Texas, and I probably should introduce myself since many of you probably have never heard of who I am or even knew I existed until this very moment. Uh, so here we go. Take some notes. Write it down. If you're driving, mental notes work just as well. Okay. Quickly, born and raised in Houston, Texas, probably the best city this country has to offer, take my word. I'm a 23-year-old bachelor living in Washington Heights, recently graduated from the Yeshiva University, majoring in management and marketing. Uh, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. All right, let me give you a little story time here as we uh, get ready to introduce our special host, guest. I'm sorry, our guest. I'm the host. This is my show. All right, story time. Senior year of high school in my English class, uh, wonderful teacher, Mrs. Kira, Deborah Kira, if you're listening, shout out, howdy. My senior year in high school, we were asked to uh, devise a five-year plan. Uh, this five-year plan, which I guess expired this summer sometime, is my guess. Let's see, it graduated 2010. This is already 2015, so let's say it's expired. But that five-year plan, I promise you, never included a microphone. Um, back then... Being the senior and the, maybe the naive Jewish kid I was, I wanted to work in a management role in sports management. My sports teams being the Houston Astros, Houston Rockets, and Houston Texans. I'm a big sports fan, and uh, I wanted to work in a front office. But uh, when you get to college, you kind of start seeing things in a more realistic way. And uh, not to say that there are, you know, Shomer Shabbat, they're not from, from Shomer Shabbat's Jews in a sports management role. There are, there are plenty. But uh, you really have to have things break your way. Um, it would have been tough for me. So I decided to move kind of halfway through my college career, if you will, into media. Uh, a friend of mine was the president of WYUR, the Yeshiva University radio station, and said, listen, Yoni, you love to talk sports. Why don't you have a sports talk show on our radio station? I said, great. You know what? I do love talking sports. An hour, that's pretty easy. I could talk about myself. I could talk about sports. Two really things that I'm really great at. And uh, But I wanted to do it with a co-host. So uh I asked a friend of mine whose name is also Yoni, Yoni Levine, if you're listening again, shout out. But uh, Yoni Levine and I had a sports radio show. Now, when you take two Yonis and you want to have a sports radio show, what's the most logical name to your sports radio show? Yoni and Yoni in the Night, right? So uh, obviously, Sunday night, every Sunday night for about a year, year and a half, we had a sports radio show uh, to all the tens of people that listened to us. It was great, fantastic, had a great time. And uh, pretty much from then went on, I had a few internships locally in Houston, a sports radio uh, station, and then here in New York, actually, I interned at SiriusXM for the NBA programming, which is pretty cool. And uh, now pretty much kind of leads me to here, um, where I'm now hosting a show at the Nachum Siegel Network just today. Um, but I'm a sports guy. I'm a Jewish guy. So when I was given this opportunity, the best thing I could think of is to combine the two for this show. And I couldn't think of a better host, a better guest, excuse me, to have on this show than the uh, the Honorable Steve Bunin. Now, uh, Steve, let me let me quickly give an introduction to you because uh, unfortunately now I only have about 20 minutes left of the show and I could go easily probably an hour just to introduce you. But, uh, but yeah, here we go. So many of you may have seen him on ESPN almost a half decade ago, not to really date him or anything. Uh, he's definitely spoken at a few camps, tournaments. You may have heard him. He is uh, a former colleague of mine. I used to intern at... CSN Houston. And now when I say colleague, I really use it in the most loose of terms because uh, I am a little pitcher of an intern there and he's the lead anchor at CSN Houston. So, I mean, I guess technically colleagues work 
But uh, I was pretty much, you know, pulling that, uh, pushing, rolling that teleprompter little uh, knob for you. And uh, so that was a great time. I mean, I was mirrored like 10 feet away from you desk-wise and could really annoy you and make sure you did as little work as possible. But um, again, still a former colleague of mine. He is currently the co-host of Prime Cut on Yahoo Sports Radio. That's Monday through Friday, 4 to 8 p.m. Eastern. And also on the stream, you could catch it on the stream, YSR.com app. And also around the NFL on Sundays on Yahoo Sports Radio from 1 to 5 p.m. Eastern. Um, but he's a valued mentor of mine and, more, most importantly, a great friend. Uh, so, Steve Bunin, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Although, when I accepted the invitation, I was under the understanding that your name had a C uh, in the spelling. And so now I'm not sure that I should remain uh, on board here. This is, that has just thrown my world. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. I know how to spell your name, but I just figured out. No, we were colleagues, yes. You're an intern, but you're part of the newsroom, and I was thrilled to have you on board, and you were among the most impressive uh, that we had, and it, it doesn't surprise me that you got this gig here for today. And yes, maybe it's only for today, but that's only for now. And in the future, hopefully, I will in many more. So thank you very much for having me. Ah, my pleasure. Okay, let's uh, let's get started here. Um, I don't think many of our listeners probably have heard your story, or many probably haven't uh, followed your path to stardom. Um, kind of take me through what happened from when you graduated, I believe, almost top of your class at Syracuse, uh, all the way until getting to Bristol. I know it was a bit of a rocky path. Um, take me through those years. Yeah, it was. Um, so it started, I would say, just a little earlier, just a quick back. So I grew up in Seattle, and like you, a huge sports fan, loved to talk. And I was really uh, focused to have this career since I was, even before Bar Mitzvah, I think like 10, 11, 12 years old. I was, I, I was, I was broadcasting in the stands and record myself into a little tape reporter and play it back later. I turned the volume down on a Seahawks game and, and broadcast uh, that either play by play and, and listen back and, and all that. Uh, so I only applied to Syracuse University because it was sportscast for you where Bob Costas and Bob Albert and Ren Berman in New York and Dick Stockton and Mike Tariq and so many others have gone. I never applied to another college. I was very focused on this career and I think it's something that has kind of benefited me as my as I would find out in my in my 20s. So yeah, I graduated in 1996 from Syracuse, the year they made the Final Four. John Wallace, future New York Knicks, and uh, I was considered sort of at the top of my class just in, in large part because I had had a local internship, and when somebody in the sports department left, they had all the interns fill in, uh, put in a, you know, an application or resume tape, and of all of them, they picked me, and the last guy to do that, to be on the air at a real station, like doing the real sports while still in college, was Mike Tirico. So there was a good, I, I had a healthy amount of confidence. I don't think I was cocky, but I expected, okay, I'll, I'll work in a small market for a little bit, and then medium, and and move my way up. And instead what happened was it took me a year after graduating to get my first full-time job. I was in Binghamton, New York at the Fox affiliate. And then I got um, laid off there two and a half months into the gig. So I had a, this crappy apartment that I had leased out for a year. I was broke, had to move back in with my parents. It was, it was a real disaster uh, because a year into my career, I'm, I'm behind the guys who were just graduating. So um, then my career took me to a bunch of small towns. I, I like to say like below single A look. Independently, Flagstaff, Arizona, uh, Lansing, Michigan, where I did get to cover the Final Four in 2000 when Michigan State won it all in basketball. Uh, then I got laid off from that job. I was out of the business for a year and a half. That's really when my life took a change, and and really at the intersection of Judaism and broadcasting uh, came together. That was 2001, 2002, which we can talk about. Um, but just to, re- to sort of wrap it up, to make it ESPN, after a year and a half out of the business, and this was getting rejected from cities all across the country, everywhere in every state. If there's a city with a TV station, I applied, and I was rejected. I finally got a job in Kalamazoo, Michigan, not a metropolis of either sports or Judaism. Um, and then um, 
a year after that, I got my lucky break and I got to ESPN, and that was 2003. So it was seven long years with 13 moves, um, never making more than $27,000 a year in that entire time, living at my parents in my old bedroom for two of those years. And then when I was 29, I finally got to ESPN, where I stayed for nine years and really got to fulfill my dream. And that's sort of the path, in a nutshell, that got me there. Right. So I know over that time, I think you went back home to Seattle for a bit. Uh, I believe you, you once told me you coached high school Jewish basketball for the Seattle, the, whatever, the Jewish school there in Seattle. Yes. Um, so over yeah. that time, you, uh, I remember there's a story. You faced kind of a, an almost impossible situation. One of your players on the team, uh, there was an incident. So if you don't mind telling us kind of what happened during that season and pretty much how that really affected your whole career outlook and you know, the way you live your everyday life. Yeah, not at all. I'm proud to tell the story, uh, although it is a sort of a tragic one, but also, I think, an inspiring one. So, yeah, 2001, I get laid off. I move back home, and I'm uh, doing odd jobs, including substitute teaching uh, in the Seattle area. And, and among that, I did a lot at the Jewish uh, schools, the Jewish day school, Orthodox school, et cetera, et cetera. And a friend of mine who I played basketball with at the JCC was coaching at the Northwest Yeshiva High School, the sort of Orthodox, um, modern Orthodox uh, high school in town in Seattle and asked if I would help out. He was sort of laissez fair about it, just sort of showed up, let the kids run around for a couple hours during practice. I come from a public high school that was really focused on basketball, and so I was very serious about it. Be on time, you know, your classic, like, type A coach. Um, you know, don't talk back, be on time, we're running. If you don't do if one guy does something wrong, everybody runs. So I brought that mentality into it, and the guy let me take over because he didn't care. And the kid that I bonded with most quickly happened to be, uh, as I found out later, one of the most learned kids, one of the, the nicest, sweetest boys on the team uh, at the entire school. He was friendly with the rabbis. He was friendly with the, the unpopular kids, with the girls, with the boys, with, with parents. He's a super kid. His name was Ari Grashen. Uh, he was a sophomore. Uh, but early in the season, he was diagnosed with brain cancer, and the operation wasn't able to sort of take care of it, for lack of a better word. So long story short, um, he fought like a like a hero, like a warrior for 11 months uh, until he eventually passed away just before he turned 17. Uh, it was third day of Sukkot, 2002. So during that time, uh, he invited me into his family and into his life, and his family invited me into this this journey, this struggle. Uh, I I was you know able to drive him around to the hospital and back. Uh, he has three brothers, one of whom is actually getting married this weekend. Um, and uh, a super supportive family. It was the first time I had seen observant Judaism. I grew up conservative and um, very proud of my background, but I hadn't experienced like a quote-unquote Shabbos where you're sort of lock it down for 24 hours. Um, and so like a lot of people, I think, make that path. It was uh, different. It was, it was a challenge. You know, I missed my college football. I missed college basketball. I missed driving around. But I, then I saw the warmth and the um, humility and the togetherness and the sharing that observant um, Judaism can bring and can provide, and when it's more inclusive and exclusive, it can be a life changer, and it was a life changer for me because Ari's family was like that, and they, he and all his buddies, who I'm still friends with all, uh, to this day, this is yeah, 15 years later almost, uh, they really took me in, and it just changed my uh, approach and outlook on uh, Judaism and, and on life in a lot of ways, so although he had a, um, a horrible struggle that eventually, you know, he, he did pass away, um, he continues to inspire me to this day, and then Right before he passed away, a couple months before, was when I got that child in Kalamazoo I told you about. Um, like just one example is for the last six weeks of his life, as it was clearly going bad, I was I was flying home, and only through the grace of people in the community who would donate uh, mileage plus tickets, or even would buy, buy a plane ticket that I couldn't afford it because I was making nothing at this you know, crappy TV job. And I'd fly home on um, Monday morning, 
and be home in Seattle and living at his house and helping him and anything that, that, that demanded. And I'd fly back Thursday night on a red eye to Michigan and work Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then, and then be back at his house. So that, that's just one example of, of what the observant community would do that I'm not sure that, maybe, but I'm not sure that a conservative or reform community would, would do that, that sort of feeling of this is a family. And that has made a permanent impact on my life. And, and that's the way I live my life now as a modern Orthodox Jew. Um, and, and balancing that at ESPN was a challenge, but was one that I was very proud to do. Um, no expert, I'm no rabbi, I'm no perfect Jew, but I'm, I'm very proud of the path that my life has taken, and it's because of this boy, Ari, in large part. Yeah, every time I hear this story, it's it's really incredible, and and it's just, you know, we could learn a lot about it, how, how really different Jewish communities, uh, you know, I've, I, I have my own personal experiences, but uh, Jewish communities, when they get together and they really, you know, support a cause and or uh, something that happened in the community, uh, it, it's just really inspiring. Um, but uh, switching gears here, kind of from uh, one Jewish high school basketball team to another, um, I don't know if people are familiar with this story, but back in 2012, uh, a, a local uh, high school Jewish team, actually a team I played for and was the captain of in Houston, uh, the Barron Academy Stars, uh, they were in a in a uh, state tournament, and uh, the TAPS tournament over there in Houston, and what happened was um, we had a... Uh, the, the, the team was playing, they got into the playoffs, and, and as the, the schedule uh, kind of came out, they realized that starting uh, pretty much in the semifinals, the games would, uh, would be played on Chavez, and they knew that was an issue, um, but they, you know, they kept playing uh, beforehand to try to get as far as they could. So what happened was they, they actually they played really well. They eventually get to the semifinals, and uh, so the game's on Chavez. So now the school has a choice. Either they're going to play on Chavez or they're going to uh, have to forfeit the game. Uh, the team came together and unanimously decided they weren't going to play on Chavez. They'd forfeit, um, and un- that's an unfortunate end to a lot of their uh, playing careers. Uh, but eventually, actually, this story uh, went national and international all over the news, um, and TAPS eventually, through a lot of pressure, made the decision to switch the game from, from I believe it was either going to be Friday night or on, or on Shabbos, um, to Friday earlier in the day, and then the championship game would be moved to Saturday night. Now, um, ironically, I guess later on it ends up being that you end up coaching actually the same school for a bit in, uh, at the Sarachuk tournament last year. But yeah. uh, at that time, I believe you were with ESPN. So uh, yes. I'm curious, like uh, I've never actually heard this story from your end. What was, uh, what was this story like, I guess, how you pitched it? Because I know the story ended up making Outside the Lines a, uh, a TV show on ESPN. Uh, so did you have any uh, role in that? And uh, how, how, how did that whole uh, situation play out? Yeah, I was proud to have a role in that. Um, so uh, Outside the Lines, for people unfamiliar, is sort of like 60 Minutes for ESPN. It's our investigative journalism show. If you do more long-form pieces on issues that transcend sports and life in a way that on SportsCenter, which I was proud to host, you just didn't, for the most part, do that. Almost all the time you're doing highlights and you know, news of the day and that sort of thing. So outside the lines of the show I was on, and you, what would happen, the way that they would come up with a story idea is you, everyone around the room, there's a, a production meeting each morning, and there's, let's say, kind of 50 people, and whether it's the executive on top, the anchor, uh, the producer, or the, the youngest production assistant, any of that idea is valid. It's a really cool uh, way to, to run a show, and I, I, I love being a part of it. And so I had seen in, I think, the New York Times or something um, online that, that this, this story was happening, that the Jewish school um, uh, wasn't going to be able to play because the uh, you know playing on its Sabbath. And I, I said, look, you guys, this is, a, this is a great story. I know I'm, I'm you know, maybe the, the most active Jewish guy in the room, but I'm, it transcends that. Anyone 
deal with this, this idea of you know discrimination or equal opportunity or just high school dreams coming to an end. There's a lot of threads to the story that will resonate with uh, viewers around the country. So I pushed really hard for us to do it. And uh, to the credit of you know the New York Times and other papers, they they were the first ones I think to really put it on the national front. And but ESPN does have a huge platform. So um, after a day or two of, of really pushing for it, uh, outside the lines agreed to do the the story. And on that day, of course, Bob Lee, the main host, happened to be back, so he was he hosted. So I didn't get to host it that day, but I was very proud to see it. And I, I remember my school in West Hartford, uh, Connecticut. Uh, we talked about it that Shabbat. That was a, our rabbi's uh, sermon that day was about this school Baron Academy and and what would happen and what does it mean for these boys to stood up the way they did and what what is the right thing. And there's a lot of you know opinions on both sides, and I think it's a very fair and interesting discussion to have and an argument to have. Um, who did the right thing? Who was right? And should they have pressured? Should there be a lawsuit? There's a lot of great tentacles to the story, uh, but that that was sort of my role in doing it, and I was really proud. And then I had no idea, but two years later, uh, or maybe it was a year later, I ended up uh, in Houston and became friendly with uh, you and a lot of the guys who play sort of pick up basketball during holidays and people are back from Michigan University or otherwise, and got to know the coach pretty well. And then this past spring, he invited me to be the coach at Therachek because you, you know the actual coach of the team isn't allowed to be there uh, per Texas uh, rules. Um, and so I was honored to do it. And, and you know what? It's funny. That was actually the second time I coached Sarachek. The other time was 2002 when my boy Ari was still fighting, and he was actually disappointed of his that he wasn't. He was diagnosed in November with brain cancer, and by February or March, it was, that was a goal was to be able to play in the Sarachek tournament. And um, because I wasn't technically the head coach, I could be the head coach at Sarachek. So I went, and Ari couldn't come, um, but it was still a, an amazing experience. And again, that was like a first for me to be around. Like I played Maccabi sports. So I've been around a lot of Jews and athletic events and teenagers and all that, but it was, and I even coached Maccabi, but it was just different. Veritech was a different kind of experience. Again, where you're all together, Shabbat, the, the whole thing. Um, and, and so this past spring, that was a real fun bookend for me to have done it 15 years ago in a more tragic situation, but uh, then to do it again here, coming off the heels of being a part of uh, putting, putting them on the national and international platform for their right for you know equal opportunity to just play in a basketball game. Yeah, Steve Yunin joining us here on That's Life on the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, Steve, before I let you go, um, as someone has made it pretty much as far as you have in this industry, in the sports industry specifically, uh, can you give kids listening now or maybe the parents of these kids who are listening any advice on how to make it in this already competitive industry, You know, factoring in that we can't work on Shabbos, and unfortunately a lot of what happens in the sports world does happen on weekends? Yeah, I mean, that's... Um it's a huge challenge. Uh, obviously, most public high schools, because generally when you start, you're doing, in broadcasting, you're doing high school events, whether it's for a newspaper, magazine, TV, or radio, you're covering high school events uh, or small college. You're not, you know, your first assignment isn't to go to the New York Giants for the Eagles game. Like, that's for South Antonio. He's been doing it for 25 years. Right? So, so for the most part, not but for the most part, you're doing those events. And other than uh, observant or modern orthodox or orthodox high schools or day schools, um, those events happen on Fridays and Saturdays. So it's, it's definitely, that, that would be the biggest challenge I would say to anyone who has a, a son or daughter who wants to pursue this and is committed to an observant lifestyle. Um, but I would say just for anyone, whether they're Jewish or not, observant or not, uh, the biggest thing is you have to really like writing, I believe. Uh, even if people who do uh, talk radio like what I'm doing now, I think it has helped me a tremendous amount to be a, a really a lover of reading and a lover of writing and to love not just reading and writing about sports, but to read about politics and geography and uh, history and fiction and nonfiction and law and, and all those things, because it can help uh, color your language and can help uh, inform your ability to make decisions and take a stand. Uh, 
Um, you know, anyone can take a stand on Eli Manning versus Peyton Manning, but uh, what about when um, you know something comes into the like here in Houston, Texas, they had a vote about equal rights, and it was voted down, and now the NCAA has threatened to take out the final four because they don't believe it's as tolerant of a policy as they'd like, and the Super Bowl may do the same thing. Can you make an informed opinion about that if you've only read about the Eagles and the Giants and the Cowboys and the Seahawks? So I would encourage anyone at a young age, if you're very passionate about reading and writing, then this could be something for you. If you just want to be on TV, that's a great thing, but it's not enough to make it in in broadcasting. It's just too competitive of a field. You have to get over that uh, idea that you're going to be a superstar on ESPN and think about, am I willing to move to, in my case, literally the the four corners of the country making less than the guy at McDonald's, in order to pursue this dream, and if you are, then 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 you know you, you you do whatever you can in terms of extracurricular stuff, like the things I was talking about. Go to a high school game that no one's watching and record it. Now you can do it in your phone. But record yourself doing the game. Play it back on Sunday. How did you sound? Play it back Monday, right? Critique yourself. Things like that. If, if my advice to the young kids out there, teenagers, is if you do those things and you're happy about it and passionate about it and eager to work harder at improving then you have a chance to make it in the business, whatever your religious background or denomination is. Um, if you're not, then, then you know, love sports and, and embrace it, but understand that it's, it's just too competitive of a field. Um, it's all about supply and demand, and you've got kids coming out of college every year that want to do this, and we'll take, you know, like I did, I would take a job for 13000 in Arizona. I would have taken it for 11000 in Arizona. And if you're willing to do that, then you have a chance. And even then, it's not easy, but you have a chance. So that's the basic, the, the basic uh, introductory advice I would give is you love reading and writing and performing at some level, talking on stage, telling jokes, or you the, or you the class clown. If, if all those things sort of, if you check all those boxes, then you've got a chance and, and to just pursue as many extracurricular internships, follow a friend around for a day. If you've got a buddy who works at a radio station, just see if you like it. See if you, you, you fall in love with it the way that, that I did. And, and if it's worth making a lot of sacrifices to make a, a career out of it. And if you do, you don't care about how much money you make, then it can be an extremely rewarding career. That's Steve Bunin. Steve, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, and, uh, you know, I look forward to listening to more of you on the radio and maybe TV in the future. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me, and uh, let me know if you ever want me back. But, again, only if you're going to change the spelling of your name. It's got to be CK at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see what I could do. Thank you. Uh, see you, Yoni. See you. That was Steve Bunin, again, the co-host of Prime Cut on Yahoo Sports Radio. You could hear him Monday through Friday, 4 to 8 p.m. Eastern, or on the stream, YSR.com. And around the NFL on Sundays on Yahoo Sports Radio, 1 to 5 p.m. Eastern. That'll do it for us here on That's Life. Again, I am Yoni Pollock. I uh, took over today for Miriam. She should be back next week. Um, again, on Facebook, reach us at Nachum Siegel Network. On Twitter, at Nachum Siegel Net. On Instagram, we can be reached at the Nachum Siegel Network. You could always listen to all of the programming here on the Nachum Siegel Network by going to NachumSiegel.com or via the Nachum Siegel app. For Vermi here in the studio, I'm Yoni Pollock. We appreciate you tuning in. Uh, quick shout-out to my brother who is getting married in a few weeks. So uh, we have a nice tune being played for him here as we sign off. Again, thank you for tuning in. Have a splendid rest of your day and keep smiling. Hey, la, la, la.